Welcome to In the Name of Game. Welcome once again to In the Name of Game, a video game podcast. Today is March 28th, 2013. Welcome once again to our show. I'm your host, Iggy. I'm co-host Adam. And I'm co-host Colin. Woohoo! I hope you guys are Yay. having a very good week. A very... With Bioshock. An infinitely good week. Ooh! Oh, oh that sucks. We need a bell to ring every time there's a pun. <laughs> Bing! <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it, as you obviously know, uh, Bioshock Infinite was released this week. Released a little bit early on the on the PC, which was nice. Um, so we've been playing through that. We're at different stages. I've beaten it. Uh, Colin's practically beaten it. And then Adam's like almost oh. halfway through, I guess. No, oh, no, no. I'm only like two hours in. Oh, okay. Never mind. So he's still got a ways to go. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk a bit about the gameplay and, and non-plot things that we've liked about Infinite this week. And um, next week, uh, we will be doing a pretty massive spoiler alert section at the end of our episode uh, where we will discuss in depth the story and the thematic elements and all that good stuff that we don't want to spoiler this time around. So um, look out for that. Um, we also have a lot of other news, though, non Bioshocky news to talk about this week. So, yeah. actually, let's okay. Let's get the infinite stuff out of the way first, just because that's that's the most obvious elephant in the in the room, I guess. Um, so, how are you guys liking Infinite so far? Mm, I mean, gameplay wise. Gameplay, it's I don't know. It's pretty standard shooter. I mean, really? a lot of a, a lot of my a lot of my complaints come. It's hard. It's so hard to articulate because I don't. I mean, it, it feels the 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 plasmids. I still call them plasmids. The vigors, <laughs> the the vigors feel a lot less. Um, I mean, I found myself only using the murder of crows most of the time. Oh my god! Because it would it would soften the dudes up, and I would just blast them with my guns. That's all I would pretty you much haven't, do. You haven't really experimented with the other. I've been have experimented, but it's just like I don't really. I mean, it's just not the way I play. I guess. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I found myself. But I, I mean, the the way I think about it is that when I first started playing Bioshock, is that I kind of used one or two plasmids the whole time, and um, I found myself branching out and using different things on later playthroughs. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, you know, the more I played the first Bioshock, the more I realized I really liked the game. Um, this mm-hmm. one, it's I don't know. It's just I don't know if it's just because I'm being an asshole, you know, a jaded <laughs> asshole, or. You know, if I, the vigors don't feel as useful to me as they usually do, I mean, I oh, use the, I, I use the murder of crows all the time. You're killing because, me here. <laughs> but I mean, so... I use I use I use murder of crows all the time. The flame one I use quite a bit. Right. The uh, the one that raises them up off the ground. Uh, Buck and oh, the Bronco. Bucking Bronco. Yeah. Bucking Bronco. Yeah, I don't have that yet. I, yeah, um, I mean, it's it's useful. It's useful for bosses, especially. Well, you know what's funny is um, they clearly at some point uh, went back and. Reevaluated which kind of powers they want in this game as opposed to in the previous game. Uh, you know, previous game being Bioshock 1, because we're going to just pretend Bioshock 2 didn't exist because it's, <laughs> it's not a Rationals game. So, yeah. you know. But uh, I, I still enjoy Bioshock 2. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, purely from canon. there. Yeah, I mean, but you can tell, not giving away anything in the story, but like, you can tell the feel 
of uh, yeah. of Bioshock Infinite is is trying to almost ignore the second one. Like it's not outright saying the second one didn't happen, but it's really not referencing at all anything. Yeah, I mean it, it has a lot of it has a lot of parallels to Bioshock. Yeah, and I don't think one. it has any to the second one. Correct. No, yeah. no, it doesn't. But uh, before we move past the vigors, I wanted to say I really like that they've made each vigor do two things, which oh, is something the charging ability, right? Yeah. yeah, that the plasmids didn't do because some pla- or some some of the other things were like traps. Like I remember the wind trap. Yeah, you the know? cyclone one was a and, trap. Yeah. yeah, and so that was like a single-use uh, or single-purpose trap, whereas now you have traps and the primary purpose of the Vigor. You what's know? And funny I, is, I like that. Yeah, what's funny about the, the, the secondary use for some of these weapons is like some of them are great, and other ones are great in theory, but don't work that great when you actually are running around. Like, um, yeah. I like the idea of charging these down for trap moves. Like, for example, the uh, electricity one, not so bad. But like the the uh, flame one, uh, what's it called? Kiss of death. I kiss guess? of the devil's kiss. Devil's kiss. Um, it's nice in theory, but I noticed even when I upgraded the, the power and stuff, um, when I would lay that trap down, like they'd have to be get kind of close for it to affect, like to to set off, which was annoying because it's like I'd waste all that salt on like that that one bomb that i was placing on the ground and like they would just like run right by it so i was like come on guys at least with the electricity one it kind of has little chunks i guess that fall all over the place to like act as traps so like it's much easier for somebody to fall into the electrical trap than it is for them to fall in the fire trap yeah um and i'm surprised i mean I, I played very much like a almost like a red mage kind of thing because I did uh, much like in the first one how you <laughs> always had the combo you're like electricity and then kill and electricity and kill yeah. I yeah. was doing that at first and I didn't realize this might be different with certain weapons but particularly the electric um, shock jockey uh, which by the way I think it's fun as a little nod to Bioshock One if yeah. you do the regular version of it he does the exact same hand motion that like flick of his wrist. Yeah. as the the first game's animation <laughs> so i'm like oh that's cool they kept the same animation and not the charging yeah. one obviously but the little like normal zap um when you do the the zap and you use the hand cannon pistol it almost instantaneously like blows up everybody's heads like it's like a, a, a automatic kill for most guys except for you know like the the bigger dudes later on uh so it's an amazing combo not to mention the fact that if you do that combo enough you actually get like an achievement for doing it um, so I recommend, you know, if you're, you're still not quite finished with the game, so, so maybe now is an okay time to experiment with some of that stuff. Um, but I did that for a lot of the game. And then once I got the, uh, there's this, there's this, uh, vig- it's not a spoiler cause it's not plot related, but there's a vigor called, uh, return to sender, which is mm-hmm. unrealistically like it's, it's overpowered. It's completely OP. And it doesn't seem like it at first, but when you use it, use the charged version of it, it's incredibly powerful. Now it's this weird web, uh, ability where um, you basically block damage, and you send it back to somebody else. So the charged version of it is you hold up this like orb, kind of like fucking Magneto, right? And you're like, no, nope, I'm not gonna get hit. And any attack, whether it's physical or or uh, bullets or any kind of any sort of thing coming your way, will get absorbed into that ball, that orb. And then while you're charging it down, 
uh, you're protected by it. And as soon as you let go of the button, it sends that thing out at somebody as a projectile. And it's, awesome. I, I think, from what I understand, the longer, either the longer you charge it or the more you accumulate damage-wise from it, uh, the stronger the damage will be when you send it back out to them. And so this saved my ass because have you guys, you guys have come across handyman, right? No. Okay. Well, you've seen a handyman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the big, like, the big robot guy. Uh, That is the only way you could easily survive against a handyman because you can use that charge version of um, Return to Sender and he just won't ever hurt you. Which is crazy because normally, if you fought one, you know they they almost kill you in like two seconds. They're really. Yeah, I mean, I, I dealt with them pretty easily, to be honest. I mean, it was certainly a fight, but I mean, it wasn't like they were going to kick my ass. Well, if you use Return to Sender, they just never will even get close to it. Yeah. So, like, you do that, and then you you send it back, and then that stuns them slightly, and then you use that opportunity to shoot their little chest cavity, yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, that comes in great handy later. Like that plus either a hand cannon or a shotgun and you're pretty much invincible. But the, the key is, is, uh, I love the gear system that they've added. Like where you find those pieces of clothing that yeah. will, uh, that you, they augment certain abilities. There is a piece of clothing just to look out for, cause I totally recommend it. There's a piece of clothing that when you kill somebody, you'll get a 50% chance of getting health back from it. And then there's another piece of gear where if you kill somebody, you there's a 40 or 50% chance that you'll get salt back. And if you wear both of those pieces of gear and, you're, and you've really upped uh, your, your vigor level as much as you can with those infusion bottles, um, you can just be shooting off the uh, uh, return to sender just all the time. Like, almost without it ever dipping in, in salt levels. Like, it, it's pretty amazing. Like, you'll, you'll be very overpowered, and you'll be like, yeah, I am a fucking badass. I'm just taking everybody down. <laughs> it, it was a lot of fun. So, but, it, but what's cool about the Bioshock games, though, is even from just me and, and Colin talking about how we've... I mean, like, how, how's your play style been, Adam, with so far? Uh, I'm using... I'm relying pretty heavily on the machine. Machine gun, but I also like to use the uh, possession ah. uh, vigor a lot. And did you upgrade it so that it doesn't use up as much salt? I, I have not yet. Okay, because that's the only I complaint I had with. The, I've seen it at the machine, but... This is the one thing I hated about possession, especially at the low, uh, at the beginning of, of the game. Oh. It costs so much to use it's it. So much salt to use that thing. It's almost not worth. Yeah, it. but but it's so amazing and it's so creepy when they kill themselves. <laughs> What what's, what sucks though is that doesn't happen with like machines. They'll just yeah, go right yeah. back to shooting you afterwards. So it's right. like ugh. you have to kill them anyway. <laughs> yeah, that that's what kind of sucks about. That's it. what kind of sucks is like I understand that they didn't want to have the hacking mini games anymore, like they did in uh, the first two Bioshocks. But I mean, yeah. it really kind of sucked like not being able to turn the machines against their against everybody else permanently. Well, because I mean, I'd be in the middle of a battle and I'd, I'd have p- p- possessed a machine, and it's like, okay, so they're kicking their ass, and then like right in the middle of it, they turn around, and start shooting me again. I was like, this is frustrating. Yeah, it's like I shouldn't have to waste so much. I keep call- wanting to call it mana or Eve instead, but right, you know, I don't, I don't want to waste so much salt on you know keeping these guys possessed. It doesn't make any sense. And it's like I possess the Patriots and they don't do anything, and I possess. Other guys, and it doesn't do anything because they just get well, you, killed in about five seconds. If you if you like, like for example, since Adam li- clearly likes the idea of the possession ability, you can upgrade it later. I think one of them is to increase the duration 
And then one is definitely to decrease the amount of salt needed for it. Well, it's yeah. not that. It's not that. It's just that they die so quick. It's like they'll turn against their guys and they'll get blasted. Oh. Yeah. Well, see, that's the nice thing about having a higher duration using like a Patriot or something like that. Because that means yeah. essentially you're just destroying a bunch of people before it even gets really dented. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, but see, that's what I love about the Bioshock games. Cause it's like, even the second one, which people are kind of mixed about, like all three of them allow you to totally customize your approach to the, the abilities and the weapons. Yeah. Like I almost exclusively for like 80% of the game uses, used both a hand cannon and RPG. Yeah. Like those are right. awesome weapons, especially when you upgrade them. Oh like, man. I, I'm a- I'm addicted to the pistol, to be honest. Like, that starting pistol, it's like, man, I love this gun. It's not bad, but it's like the hand cannon is, like, a better version of that. It is, but there's such low ammo capacity. Yeah, well, there's, if you notice, there's this kind of, uh, once you play a lot of it, you can kind of tell a little bit when um, Elizabeth's about to give you ammo. So sometimes I would purposely, like, just keep one of those uh, weapons empty because I'm like, well, as soon as I start battle, she's going to throw me some ammo. And usually it's not it's not a bad amount of ammo. It'll be at least like it's usually like 50% of the 50 percent of the complete capacity. Right. You carry it's a pretty good. Yeah. And she'll toss you more RPG rounds. It's like whatever you currently have equipped, she'll toss you more of. So you can be kind of strategic about like, well, I have plenty of handgun ammo, but like I have almost no RPG. So I'm going to now it seems like it's been about a couple minutes. So I'm going to switch to my almost empty RPG and then she'll (laughs) toss me some more. Yeah. Um, Which is the only weird thing. Like, is there a system for figuring out when she tosses you things? Like when she tosses you money, it seems like it's totally random. Well, it's usually when I was hanging it, like I'd go to a vending machine and buy some I'd spend like sixteen hundred dollars on some vigor, and then um, she would end up tossing me money like right after. So I, I think that it kind of it it it's really contextual to where you're hanging out because I mean if you're hanging out around a vending machine, she'll give you money. Well, what's weird is she also sometimes does it when you're in an area that had a lot of like money on the ground to pick up. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder like is it also <laughs> perhaps like if you missed some money, like she's like, oh, I detected it uh, and you yeah. didn't get it. And I notice that, like, whatever I'm low on, like, if I'm low on salt, she has salt. If I'm low on health, she'll have health. Yeah. You know? It's, it's always it, like that. It's actually pretty helpful. Like, I have to say, I was kind of unsure about how the whole constant AI companion thing would work. But they've managed to keep it very, like, she's, it's very inobtrusive. It's very unobtrusive. I was going to say the exact same thing. It's very unobtrusive. Yeah, like, um,. Maybe once in a while she acts a little bizarrely, but they do manage a really good blend of her either being right behind you or right in front of you. And, uh, like, she always runs faster than you if she has to. So that looks kind of cool. Like, she's either leading the way or, like, she kind of knows where you're going to go. And I'm not sure how they figure that out, but that's awesome. And then how she's always kind of tending to what you need. Or, like, trying to, like, it feels like she's trying to think, essentially, like, what does he probably need right now? Um, yeah, and I also love how they give they they give you that prompt on screen. Don't you don't need to protect her during battle. She can protect yeah. herself. <laughs> yeah, I just love seeing that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of cool because it's like, how annoying would that be if you had to protect yeah, her the whole just time? babysitting oh, the God. entire time? Yeah. That would be a nightmare. No, so I could talk about a certain battle in this game that really frustrated me, but I'll save it. We'll save that, that for the next week. <laughs> oh my God! I'll just say that 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 when you fought that. I was so exceedingly frustrated I almost gave up because it was just the stupidest, most repetitive battle I've ever seen in any video game in some years. Okay. And, and well, Angie knows what I'm talking yes. about. But 
Yeah. When when Adam gets to it, he'll he'll yeah. be like Adam. It's like Adam. It's like the only really like really low point of that game. I would say everything else is like pretty cool. And it's kind of bizarre too, in the context of like the game overall. Like, uh, okay, well, I won't I won't mention it, but yeah, yeah. maybe our listeners will also kind of know it's a very specific big battle, and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and it goes on strange. forever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, so. I mean, gameplay style, uh, gameplay wise, I was really digging it, and I, I really like, and I think this is your mile, your mileage may vary. Um, the whole using um, skylines with fighting, yeah. because certain areas, especially the beginning, Adam probably hasn't had a, a, enough of it so far in his progression, but. Um, it starts you off pretty slow, like, oh, you're just using Skylines to, like, do things. But it's, you know, that's their way of teaching you about Skylines so you get comfortable with it. Because later on, you're going to need to be, like, using the Skylines, jumping off and killing people, jumping back on. You're, like, yeah. a constant, like, it's, but you'll get so good at it, ideally, that it'll kind of flow. And you'll know exactly when you need to jump on that thing and exactly when you need to, like, kill somebody death from above kind of style. And um, I really enjoyed how that added kind of an extra layer of complexity to the gameplay battling. Like, it, it, it's not, you know, totally horizontal anymore. They've ad- ad- managed to add levels of verticality to yeah. a first-person shooter, which yeah. is really cool to me. And you know a lot of other games have tried this and failed. Like, remember how Brink tried to add parkour bullshit to their, their shooter, which kind of didn't work and in other games that are only parkour like you know mirror's edge kind of thing and then they punish you from having too much of like the fighting in the gameplay and stuff um but the bioshock infinite gameplay does a great balance you know provided that the skylines are there of course uh of letting you just be all over the place like this fucking jumping fiend (laughs) it's pretty nuts um and and i i find that it must have been difficult for one to implement well because I'm sure there was a host of bugs the first time they tried to do this. But um, it, it's complicated to do well, and it's complicated to um, do without having it be too uh, easy to exploit. You know, like for somebody to find a way to jump outside the map or to, to like uh, to get to a point where like just nobody can get them kind of thing. So I, I applaud them for, for being pretty innovative with that element of gameplay. That was pretty great. Um, I found that useful. I mean, you said that you use the takedowns a lot. Oh, yeah. For lack of a better term. Yeah. And I found myself using the skyline and the hooks and everything mostly to, like, climb up high. Like, if if there were a bunch of tall buildings around, I felt felt a disadvantage at being down on the street fighting the dudes on the ground. I mean, I would just climb up on the building and just start, you know, shooting at them from the... I mean, it, I mean, it, it, like you were saying, it's very flexible in how you want to play this game. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, there's, but, I mean, I mean, I mean, every time I just rain down crows upon them and just sort of let loose with my guns. I mean, yeah, and I, th- yeah. I can't remember if there's gear or some kind of upgrade or something so that your uh, accuracy is increased when you're on a. There's some line. gear like that. Yeah, so this if you are one of those cool. types that want to shoot on the fly, you know, like while you're on the little roller coaster ride, it makes it much easier to do, which is great. Because there's a couple times I can think of where it's like I, I was glad I had that that and the um you know the ability that makes a fucking like flame explosion when you jump down onto somebody because that's that's yeah. pretty fun I had those combined when I knew I was doing a skyline battle because uh it it just makes it that much more invigorating I guess you know when you're when you're playing it because you're like oh shit. invigorating well <laughs> that's awful yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 it's really bigger. 
<laughs> but no, that's I, a podcast, everybody. Thank you. The only thing yeah. I found kind of weak was, uh, and I was surprised because there's so many pieces of gear and kind of abilities that that would make you think it's super easy to do is meleeing. Like yeah, it really is. But you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm my roommate started playing it today. Uh-huh. The same roommate at who I was bitching right before the podcast. <laughs> Um, who started playing it today, and he held down, I don't know what it is on uh, on the PC, but we've had the Xbox version, he held down Y, and it would like slam the dude, it would slam your fucking, whatchamacallit, into the dude's chest and just chop him up like crazy. I didn't realize you could do that, so I don't oh, know if... like a heavy so, attack or something? Yeah, it was like, so you just have the, ta- like you tap whatever on the PC, and it would attack, and then just smack him in the face. Oh, maybe I did but, that wrong, because I would just... Like but I said that right at the beginning. I don't remember. Like there was a prompt right after you threw the baseball at the dude, or at, I'm sorry, if you throw the baseball at the guy or the couple, whichever you choose. Uh-huh. Hopefully it's the guy. Um, <laughs> um, but I mean, it's just that's interesting. It, they didn't they didn't make that clear, and they, no. he did that. I'm like, how'd you do that? That's the one thing I was irritated at with the gameplay. Actually, it would have those little like the screen would darken and it would show you the like the little pop up tip. But yeah. there were at least two different occasions where I accidentally had clicked a button, like in the in the process of of doing something, and yeah. it got rid of the screen before I could fucking read what yeah. was on the screen. Yeah. So speaking that of, was probably of which, one of those. Speaking of which, the contextual controls in this game were especially um, frustrating because, especially when you're skyline, and then like I remember I was chasing a guy on the skyline who refused to jump down for whatever reason. His AI was probably bugged. But uh, mm-hmm. I was chasing this guy, and like I would get to a point where two rails would cross. And in order to attack the guy on the rails with my with my melee weapon, I had to push A. Mm-hmm. But it would also throw me off to the other rail if I pushed A, if it was close enough to engage that context, you know what I mean? Right. So like it, it was so sensitive that like I couldn't attack the guy without fear of jumping off and having to find him all over again. Oh. So I mean, like it's kind of the same thing with uh, there. Were, there were a couple other instances of the contextual controls being a little shoddy. I mean, nothing like game breaking. It's just a little frustration. So yeah, there's um, there were you know some little nitpicky things that I could think of, but like overall, I mean, the overall enjoyment of the game uh, yeah, it's, was it's not good. super I mean, hampered by it. It's good. I mean, it's a good. Game. I have to. I think we should also say, I, I know a lot of people were saying, like, oh, I don't think it's going to be as good because you don't have that claustrophobic feeling. You don't, it's not dark. It's not as atmospheric. That is not it's true. That so is, bright. There are so atmosphere. many dark places that you're going to wander into. Would I actually, yeah. That uh, It's funny that you mentioned that because actually, I mean, Bioshock 1, of course, because it's underwater and stuff, it feels very claustrophobic. And that's an appropriate feel for that game because of the environment. But it's neat in Colombia where um, you actually have a whole variety of different fighting arenas. Like you have the yeah. super – you have some extremely open area things where it's like – it's so open area that sometimes you'll see other people's like fucking little specks because you have to keep doing the skyline stuff to like close the distance with them. And then you have those still creepy, really uh, uh, enclosed – uh, specially lit, you know, creep rooms yeah. where you're like, oh god, something's gonna jump out at me. Oh my god! Um, the, the, there's a part I can't. I also can't elaborate <laughs> on this because it's at the end of the game. But Izzy will know what I'm talking about when there's parts at, near the last quarter of the game where you get to creep around. It's just like, ooh, this is good. That yeah. was that was that was a part like the, the third quarter of the game I didn't like, but when it got to that last part of the game, I'm like this got really good all of a sudden. Like it, it's so. It good. got really creepy. It got creepy, <laughs> but like. I love yeah. how the vibe would radically shift. Like when yeah. you first come to Colombia, 
and everything's like glowy and it's like oh it's everything's like, beautiful and all the people are white and everybody's christian and it's wonderful <laughs> but, it, but that i think that's that's uh one of the the strong points of the rational games where it's like uh i mean maybe not so much in bioshock one because by the time you get to rapture everything's just gone to hell right but yeah. the, the interesting thing about that uh infinite is that they've kind of learned almost from from Bioshock One, and so Infinite actually has things in like stages. Like, yeah, you might have some lovely sunshiny stuff here, and then it drastically shifts in tone here, and then it switches back up there, and it's like you're able to experience a lot of different um, uh, environments and moods in one game, which always keeps it feeling kind of fresh. And I I didn't feel bored. I was always kind of curious, like, okay. So if I went from here to here, and it's in a totally different area of Columbia, which is like much higher up or something like that, like what happens when I go to this other place? Is it going to be the same? Like the only thing that was the same throughout, and it was clearly because they use it, use it as like a, maybe a, a game or a level loading mechanism, was the elevators. Because elevators are always kind of the same. They have that nice big panel where you can see stuff while you guys are chatting in the elevator. And the, that's one of the few times where, like, um, Elizabeth actually has some remotely decent animation. Because her normal animations, <laughs> her normal animation's kind of bad. Like, I know everyone's going to be like, oh, it looks so Disney. No, her design looks Disney. I was going to say the designs are good. The animations suck. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and even then, some of the designs are a little weird. Like, some of the, like, dudes, for example, have these really super high shoulders. They're like, what, are they supposed to be like football players? But they're really lanky guys. <laughs> like, it looks weird. Like, I understand it's a stylistic choice, so I can forgive a lot of it. But the animation, some of it is very lazy and cutting corners. But it's in a, a world where they probably have to do so much animation that they probably figure, like, okay, we can only have it maybe to a certain quality level. And then we have to just ship the game. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, we already we already bumped this back twice. So. Well, you, you know what's funny? Like, how many? It's been a couple. Of, it's been several years for them to work on this game, and it's clear if you go back and you look at some of the, I think E three the twenty ten and the twenty eleven uh, trailers for the game. There's a lot of stuff that either didn't make the cut or you can see in the real game was drastically altered. Yeah. That's which is a little frustrating cuz I It's frustrating it seemed, but you can cause, tell cuz like, Songbird hardly shows up when they were well, emphasizing that in the early trailers. So yeah, but, the, but, but that's not that's not that's not I mean it, That is spoiler. Dude, Adam, knows who, Adam knows who Songbird is. Yes, yes but I'm just not saying that it hardly shows up. Well, yeah. he does hardly show okay, up. Don't, I mean, it's frustrating. Oh, Colin. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's... Okay, I understand that it's frustrating, but I just meant, like, in terms of content that we had had been teased, that, like, uh, for example... um, That was teased. (laughs) I mean, you're talking about the whole game, though. I'm talking about specific scenes that you'll recognize that scene in some form in the final game, but it's different. Like, uh, I think maybe it was the 2010 demo where a lot of that initial bit of Columbia you actually see, but, like, some of it's burning and some of it's, like, uh, uh, destroyed. And there was one trailer that had, like, a real horse in it that, yeah. that, that she saved and all that stuff. Like, that stuff's not there anymore, but there's references to the the stuff on fire yeah. and, and the other things. Like, you'll see, it's almost like deja vu. Like, you'll, if I, I recommend anybody who hasn't played the game yet... Watch those two trailers first, the gameplay ones. Okay. Can we talk about those trailers? Especially the first part where the city's burning. Yeah, so the first one... That, one of that the, shows up early in the game. 
Yeah, yeah. One of the first ones had a host of different things that some of are actually scattered like later in the game. Like that lady that's like sweeping the the burning like um the burning uh Well, it's just like everything's store. going to hell around her and she's sweeping the street. Yeah. Yeah. And it actually that one makes a bit more sense in the game because they've changed kind of the situation for that one. It, you'll it'll make more sense if you ever see it. Uh, it's it's something you could actually pass by, so uh, maybe people may or may not see it. But there's other things, too, that you could tell they were trying to really kick up to look awesome in the E3 demo that realistically they probably weren't going to have. Like, if you notice, um, and this isn't a plot point, so it's not a spoiler, the mechanized horses that they have, I don't believe they ever actually really walk around. They don't. They're, they're always in one spot. And you remember in one of the trailers... Spoiler! Uh, they, just what? kidding. <laughs> That's not. <laughs> I, was like, I, I was like, I Wait, thought they this... were going to be walking around. <laughs> well, in in the e, in the E3 trailer, you see one of those like trotting down a hill or whatever. And I was thinking to myself, like, that would be a big pain in the ass for a scripted animation because that means they have to path that thing down the hill, and then it probably has to be able to turn around and go back up the hill or something like that, or idle in place at the bottom. Which means that it can't do anything special like interacting with the player because, you know, like there's, there's a whole host of complications with it moving. So when they weren't moving in the game, I was like, ah, okay, because that's, that's a lot easier to do. And then you don't have to have any player interactions with any of that shit either. Um, and uh, there were certain things that were different. Like one of the trailers almost had exclusively like telekinesis ability. And I was like, wow, that's kind of weird. Like the Bioshock 1 telekinesis ability. And then you get in, in this game, and it's like, there's no telekinesis. There's some things that come close, like the bucking bronco, like picks people up in the air and stuff. But like not in, in actively being able to manipulate stuff the way that telekinesis does. Which sucks, because I like having that element of gameplay. Well, I, I It's kinda, very Gravity Gun-esque. It, it was, yeah, it was Gravity Gun-esque, but I'm wondering if... Maybe it would have been a little too game-heavy. Like, say, for example, if you have telekinesis, that means you also need to have a lot of pick-upable objects, which clearly Infinite, Infinite doesn't have. A lot, of, a lot of stuff, if you think about it, is very kind of plastered down, you know? Like, you, you pick up stuff to, to take, like money or the audio logs, but you never actually pick up anything to throw at people. So that means everything they would have had, they would have to also enable in terms of being manipulatable. Manipulable. Manipulable. Yeah. Um, so from a from a uh, gameplay standpoint, it might have been easier for them not to have to deal with it. I don't know. Maybe they did some kind of uh, game te- or a public test where it's like they had people try the game and maybe not enough people use telekinesis for it to be really worth their time. I don't know. Sometimes that happens when you do uh, when you do demos. In other news, uh, game testers are kind of dumb. <laughs> no, it's not dumb. It's a, a lot of times what happens with these, these tests, especially when they use people that aren't you know just testers, when they're like regular people trying out a game, is that that is sometimes the, the most obvious way of figuring out what's going to be uh, really utilized in the game and what isn't. Because then why would you want to waste a ton of time on something that almost nobody's going to be using? You know, like you could I guess. Like, no, I mean, you know, from, from a, a practical standpoint, then you could be using all those man hours towards something that will be used by like almost everybody. Yeah. Like I do understand you'll miss out on some little cool, unique things, but it's kind of like the greater good at a certain point. Mm. Um, 
Yeah. So, but there is, if anybody's trying the game or if they're not too far into it, like Adam, for example, I totally recommend uh, tracking down, I believe, the 2010 and the 2011 E3 demos for uh, for Bioshock Infinite and just seeing, like, look at all this shit that they're doing. And then yeah. guaranteed you will remember that stuff if you see it again. You're <clears throat> in the games and you'll see how they had to adjust it for the actual game. Um. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's a very pretty game. Like it, I said, I mean, I said the, the exact same thing last week. It's a very fucking pretty game. And it's I mean, pretty. Did you guys catch? Did you guys catch the uh, rendition of "Girls Just Want to Have Fun"? Yes. Yeah, I did. Well, it was Loved the other it. one too. It was a. Uh, what song was it? That the, is it the Beach Boys one? Uh, no, it was. Uh, God only knows. God. Yeah. Only yeah, knows. yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It was that. That's that's Beach Boys, isn't it? Yeah, it's Beach is Boys. It? Yeah. Really? There's yeah. a there's a really funny. Uh, audio vox whatever audio log thing about that. I don't know if you found it yet. I haven't. No, no. no okay. I know what I'm thinking of. It's the and Colin said he hasn't found any of them. So no, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, Iggy was we, me and Iggy had a disagreement on our usage of terms. So I still call them tapes because it's what they're you know. Like I said, I was calling them Eve and I was calling them plasmids and they're tapes to me. Right. So. But I recommend whoever. <clears throat> Playing, try to find as many audio logs because there is a specific audio log referring to all the songs in the game, and it's kind of funny. And we'll talk about that in the the spoiler thing next week. But uh, yeah, so uh, let's see. Is there anything I was I missed? Is there anything you guys wanted to mention? That likes dislike so far? I want to talk about this. Want to talk about the story really? I want to talk. I want to talk. I want to talk especially about the really creepy part at the end because that was really, really, really cool. Okay, no, 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 no. That's, that's all I'm saying. It's cool. It's cool as hell. And Adam, you'll like it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, if you give is me that, a that, chance, not that boy. I mean, come on. I'm trying to hype him up for the game. It made, I mean, I'm, I went into this game, and I, I mean. Gee, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, it's like, oh, geez, Colin's bitching again. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I mean, I, I had. I had crazy, crazy, crazy high hopes for this game because I love the first Bioshock to death. I mean, I, I'm wary to call it my favorite game of this generation, yeah. but it's pretty close to being up there. And I mean, I really enjoyed this game, and it's like I had a crazy high hopes for Infinite. I mean, it's a good game. I mean, it's not it's not the first Bioshock. Well, and I I, think, I'm curious though what your opinion. Well, you will haven't be finished when, it yet, right? Yeah. When, what's the I, whole it's thing? True, I haven't finished it yet. And the characters aren't as compelling. Like, there's no, like, Andrew Ryan. Like, there's no Andrew... I mean, I know I haven't finished it yet. Yeah, you may feel no, differently at the no end. Andrew Ryan no, character. But Andrew Ryan is such... We disagree. <laughs> I mean, we disagree fundamentally. But I love the character. It's like, no, this is great. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> just remember what you're saying now. Okay. Yeah. When you're finishing the game. I hope you okay? your words. <laughs> when I'm finishing a game, like, probably an hour after we finish this podcast. Yeah, like, just... oh, God, I can't wait for next week. Next week's going to be it's so like, great. I'm going to be like, hey, just let me record the podcast again. I want to talk about it. <laughs> like, let's hear what we said last time. Let's compare it to what we say now. But, yeah. Um... I'm not even going to finish it because you guys say the horses don't <gasps> walk. <laughs> <laughs> but they scrape at the ground, dude. Dude, it's as close as you're going to get. They do scrape the ground. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, so so far so good. I, I would say in terms of tips for people, um, for example, obviously you have a finite number of lock picks for uh, locked doors and uh, chests and things. Or not chests, um, safes. Safes should always be your lowest priority because safes only have money in them. But really? 
locked doors can have objects and infusions and you know there's this changing bottles and uh and other things so if you ever are running low on on lock picks don't go for the the fucking safes because they waste like three of them it's much better to save your your money for do- for doors for sure oh not money uh, lock picks sorry. i'll keep i'll keep that in mind for next playthrough yeah <laughs> Because that's the other thing, like, maybe I never had a ton of money for the Vigor upgrades, which were pretty damn expensive, but I got a ton of infusions, which meant I was able to max out my Vigor or salts level, and I almost maxed out my shield if I hadn't put a couple into health. So it's like, you'll you'll get more longevity, in a, a sense, out of uh, uh, putting it towards lockpicking doors. So it's, it's much more worth it. Um, the other thing, too, is don't be afraid, just like Bioshock 1, like I mentioned before, don't be afraid to try combos of things, like weapon and... Yeah. Like, not only will you get achievements and stuff for doing that, for experimenting, but, uh, some combos are really fucking great. Yeah. Like, like, upgraded Murder of Crows with the Carbine is crazy. Yeah. It's really good. And upgraded electricity, uh, Shock Jockey with a hand cannon is great because... Uh, the upgrade will affect like a wider area of people with the lightning. So you'll stun like three guys in a row for quite a while, and you can increase the the amount of stun as well, like the duration. So once they're they're all stunned for like twenty seconds, you can just go right down the line and and hand cannon each one of them. <laughs> and then just their heads will explode. Poof poof poof. Easy kills. They're great. So I, I super recommend that. Plus the. Yeah. Don't don't ignore the uh, return to sender one. Like you have to kind of mess with it to. I found that so late in the game. It's like I barely it's even so used good. it. Well, that was behind one of the doors as well. Was it? You'll find it like really. <laughs> you'll find it really late in the game, like just sitting somewhere. But yeah. you'll find it much earlier behind like a door. So you'll want to find it. It's great. Maybe uh, I'll probably play through it again in the next yeah. week. So. And then, uh, once we talk about it next week, there's a lot of reasons to replay the game. I mean, there may be some reasons not to, and I'll want to discuss that for sure. But uh, there are still a, th- a lot of things where, at the very least, you'll want to maybe retry a couple of sections or something just to see, like, oh, let's see maybe if I can apply some different you know, gameplay ideas to this or to pay more attention to story here or there or something. And plus, there'll be DLC for... For the game, so if you enjoyed it, you know you'll have more to go back to to play later. Um, I think they got DLC planned through what next year, even. Well, yeah, I mean they have a season pass, so it better be a full season. Right, exactly. You know, uh, but yeah, if if any of the DLC is up to the same standard as just like the regular levels, it it should be totally worth it. Uh, very enjoyable. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so well, that's that, good. That's that our, was our uh, short bio, bio shot. Short, short. So that's just the gameplay. So that's our gameplay kind of review for Bioshock. Uh, join us next week for the um, the whole plot spoiler at the end of next week's episode. But we have a couple other things to, to briefly discuss. Um, the other thing that was really popular this week was a bunch of Kojima's little hints about, uh, actually GDC, about uh, Metal Gear Solid Five. Um, and what's weird is there's conflicting information because you know what a troll he is (laughs) about his information. He's making it sound like the Phantom Pain game and Metal Gear Solid Ground Heroes or Zeros is uh, the same game. However, Konami keeps confirming that they're two separate games. (laughs) So I'm a little confused now as to which one is accurate. Because if if you've seen, uh, they released... um, 
gameplay footage for uh, Metal Gear Solid Five that has some elements of that whole coma trailer that they released a while back. Um, and it looks like it could be part of the same game. Like, maybe one part is before he got injured, and then the next part is, like, right after or something. Like, the gameplay is more stealthy for when he was injured. I don't know. Uh, on a sad note, David Hayter's not going to be apparently voicing the role because there was this Twitter from him. Yeah. There's this Twitter from him saying that he wasn't asked to voice it. So, so that makes me kind of sad because, you know... What's what's Snake without David Hayter, right? That's yeah, a bummer. It's a bummer. I mean, I'm I'm wondering why, unless he's lying, but I I don't see why he would. Um, if anybody played Metal Gear Solid Four, the whole thing with the boss or Big Boss, it, he wasn't voicing Big Boss in that. So maybe they're trying to transition to a new voice as Big Boss gets older, perhaps. Because this is clearly Big Boss. This is not Snake, unfortunately, in this in this game. Because he's got the eye patch. It looks like it's maybe the '80s or something, and uh, it just it just does not feel like Snake at all. And there's Master Miller and what looks to be a somewhat youngish Ocelot. Because he's got the he's got the overcoat. If you guys saw the trailer, he's got the overcoat and the the silly long hair, but he doesn't have the fucking porn mustache yet <laughs> and there's some other things that are missing so he hasn't gotten old ocelot just yet um and and what looks to be maybe psychomantis because there's a guy with a gas mask and he's kind of skinny but he has like fucking red hair just watch them make psychomantis look like some bishonin or something underneath <laughs> the gas mask that'd be, that'd be awful maybe no Muro's in charge no, it's still uh, Yoji Shinkawa, I believe. Mm. So at least you'll get cool-looking characters, even if their belts. abilities and, and names are totally nuts. Um, no belts. belts. Zippers. Well, <laughs> if anything, they seem to have an affinity for, like, really tight clothing. <laughs> it's like, what kind of <laughs> outfit can we put Snake in this time? Plastic-looking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm not complaining because he does some crazy like butt squats and stuff. But like... <laughs> I was gonna say what, the same is, thing. Is this is what women look at. Is this what women and Adam look at? No, but, no. Yep. Do you remember? You, you remember when Metal Gear Solid Four came out and they had that gameplay demo where they immediately put him on the gl- ground and had him do that weird like humping the ground maneuver and <laughs> everybody was like, "What the fuck is this?" Like, oh, I guess that's how he's moving closer without making a lot of noise, but it kind of didn't make sense because <laughs> it looked weird. Um, I'm sure there's gonna be more of that, but he's gonna be in fucking like a, a hospital uniform or like a little hospital. Uh, what is that cloak? Not cloak. Oh, uh, like a scrub or scrub? Like yeah, you know that thing where you see their asses. Their their butts. Their, bu- <laughs> their butts. <laughs> that, was, that was so funny in the older, you know, the the Phantom Pain trailer, the first one that came out, because they're doing that like they're squatting down and they're trying to really move quickly, <laughs> but it's like of course that's right where the flap is. So you just see these two guys' butts the entire time. <laughs> And that totally seems like a Kojima thing to do. Like, he's trolling you by purposely having somebody, some poor person at work having to texture this ass. I, I, I can't tell you how little I know about Metal Gear Solid, but Kojima cracks my ass up most of the time. Some of the shit I read about, he's just well, like... Did you see at the end of the this uh, 
stuff that was shown this week um, because it was for GDC. They have this clip of him at GDC. He went to GDC for the presentation with a big bandaged head, like, you know, the bandaged character that's in the <laughs> Phantom Pain trailer. So he yeah. had a bandaged head. He takes off the bandages and then he says into the microphone, did you like it? <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, I thought that was a meme that somebody else made up. You know, the whole did you like it yeah, thing? Yeah. But apparently either he always said that and I just never knew it or he thought the meme was funny and so now he's actually using it. Well, he speaks really good English, doesn't he? No. Or I thought that he was oh, – <laughs> let, let me scratch no. it. Let me scratch it. I thought he was one of the few Japanese game developers that knows English at all. Well, you know what? I don't. And the know way, if... and the way, the way I've always read about it is that people are always talking about, "Wow, Kojima knows English," but apparently he doesn't. You know, <laughs> I, I, I think he's good at, at giving speech, like prepared speeches and stuff, and making yeah. it feel like he's got a hold, a grasp of the English language. But I'm pretty sure he's not like fluent. I could be yeah. wrong, but I've seen other instances where like his pronunciation was a lot less spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you know, I'm I'm not saying anything bad about that because I'm not expecting him to be fucking fluent in English. But um, especially English, I mean, it's hard as hell. <laughs> but what's interesting is even if he's not fluent in English, he often loves picking uh, almost kind of obscure songs that are English lyric songs, like the the Way to Fall by Star Sailor that, that was used in Metal Gear Solid Three, and then um, that uh, was it a Janis Joplin song, the one that they used for the end of uh, Metal Gear Solid Four. Here's to you. Um, and all these other ones where it's like they were always in English. So either he's got They also some... used uh, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. It's weird. It's going around <laughs> in like every game. Oh, yeah. Ken, like Ken Levine game. heard it. Ken Levine heard it. He had to have it. Yep. And then for this trailer, they used that song from Garbage. That I forgot what the... What was the name of that, that song from Garbage? Chase? Okay, he's not going to listen to me. My producer... <laughs> What a terrible producer. Producer's playing Bioshock Infinite right now with headphones like on. Like an actual producer. He's too busy doing other <laughs> shit. But I, they used a song from Garbage in the trailer this week. So I'm sure there's a reason behind it because he always picks things with very specific lyrics. So either somebody is translating those lyrics very well for him or he's actually going through the effort of, like, you know, understanding them, which is cool. Um, but he's also a big troll. So when he said <laughs> some of this information... The first thing a good Kojima fan will do is try to decipher, like, okay, what's probably true, and what's him fucking with us? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a kind of a mind game, you know? But uh, like, that's what makes it interesting. So, uh, yeah, so Melga Solid 5, supposedly two games, maybe supposedly not. <laughs> I guess we'll find out more at E3, perhaps. Um, so, in, in uh, smaller games news, uh, Skullgirls, I believe, just finished their Indiegogo drive. I think it was this week. The end of this week, maybe? I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to see Let's here. See. Well, when I last saw, they collected they collected 600 grand. Yeah. Wow. For their Indiegogo. Okay, so they made pretty much almost $800,000. Yeah, so there you go. Wow, that's great. So um, they... Good on Alex. <laughs> Yeah, I got I got to bug Alex now to see if he'll want to talk on the show about more stuff. It's really awesome. I actually just contributed to the Indiegogo drive. Well, does that I'll mean say, I had to play a fighting game? <laughs> no, I, I like fighting games. Well, what do you mean? 
I mean, I mean, you might be into him, but I'm not. So oh, yeah. Like, well, he's going to be on the show. It's like, well, what the fuck am I going to talk about? You can just smile and nod. Yeah, <laughs> and, smile and nod where nobody can see me. And David and I can actually, like, talk to him. <laughs> so, fuck you. But I, think, but I think that's great, though. Like, I, I'm really pleased that they got such a, a strong support from their fans. And if anything, this is really encouraging, I think, to a lot of indie developers that, uh, you know, it is possible to make the kind of games you want to make and not necessarily have to sacrifice so much with like a big publisher nowadays like you can do kickstarter and you know it, it's not you know there's still high risk obviously but it, it, it you know i was actually listening to the to the episode today about where we talked about him last which i think was at the end of february the, uh-huh. the february 28th episode um, what are you doing? Our, listening to the old episodes. Well, I was I was at I was at work and I'm like oh, I don't want to listen to my music, so I was oh, listening. That's to some good. Of the so, yeah, I like hearing my own voice, and sometimes Adam's <laughs> even. But, but uh, I, mean, uh, yes. I mean, David was talking about how they, at the time they'd only raised about 250 grand, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. But I was, re- you know, I'm 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 a, I, I know a couple of friends of mine from college are in like a fighting fighting game sort of. I guess clan, for lack of a better word, they get together every Wednesday night and play fighting games. Mm-hmm. And they they re- they really really like Skullgirls, and they take it kind of seriously. And we and you know in the podcast, David was talking about how they had uh, paid out so much money to Hitbox. You know, they contracted somebody to do all the Hitbox work for them. Yeah. So it was really kind of. And he mentioned, like you mentioned specifically, that you know for this to be taken seriously, you had to have really good Hitbox sort of detection. Well, yeah, I think that that's a good indication because they they yeah. on the Indiegogo site they even have a little chart, a breakdown of like a certain number thousand thousands of dollars just for Hitbox detection. Yeah. Uh, that was yeah. what that's what was nice, and it's like it's, and the friends of mine were talking about having a. I don't know if they're talking about having a turn, but I mean they obviously take it seriously because yeah. they were following what was going on with the Indiegogo drive for Skullgirls. Well, I also. Th- believe that when the game was still going on in development they kept bringing in a lot of people that were uh you know actual professional tournament you know players contestants yeah. or whatever uh to make sure you know that this stuff was playing the way that a good fighting game should which i, I think is always good because just because you're developing a game doesn't necessarily mean you're good at it <laughs> like for example <laughs> if i work on a call of duty game or any kind of fps game I'll not necessarily be at the top of the charts when I'm uh, testing things, but, you know, it is important, obviously, to have a good understanding of your game. Mm-hmm. But it is very beneficial to bring in people who are good at your game or, or games of that type to give input. Is that, mm-hmm. that shouldn't be discounted. That should always be encouraged. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that was a good indication to me that they were taking their game seriously, like they wanted it to be, like, the next possible tournament game. And I believe some... Some little e-game tournament circuits are either doing Skullgirls tournaments or uh, definitely considering, you know, adding them to, like, the roster of games, which is awesome. Yeah. So, it's really um, cool, actually. <laughs> I yeah. want to play it. I mean, Good job for a, them. I'm not a fighting game guy, but I want to try it. Well, yeah, the character too. designs are certainly cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. one thing I could say for Alex is he has a great stylized look. Like He's, his... got, a, he's, got, a, he's got serious panache. Yeah. I mean, he does. He's got some. He's got some good, good, good. He's got a good eye. I mean, yeah. I just like it. He makes very appealing characters that are still cartoony, but like you feel like, oh, okay, I could, I could get down with this, with this kind of character. Or like you can at least find one of them that'll probably be your favorite, you know, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, but yeah, great for Skullgirls at Indiegogo. Uh, unfortunately, is going to be over by the time this podcast is out. But uh, I'm glad they raised so much money, almost a million dollars in a way. 
it, it's still two hundred thousand off, but still, it's, it's a, that's a shit ton of money. Yeah, it's a handy game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Um, the other one that's coming up, um, which Adam uh, clued me into, is Telltale's game. Um, now that they've done so well with Walking Dead, and they're not done, they're doing a season two, uh, from what I understand. They're yeah. doing a, a, another game, a Fables game called The Wolf Among Us, which is going to come out this summer. Um, my assumption is it's still using like the Telltale's engine, you know, like that they use for all their other games. But um, it's based off of the Fables comic book series. Now, I'm not sure if any of our listeners have really read Fables. It's kind of like um, way before ABC made Once Upon a Time, that series. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, Adam's not a big fan. No. <laughs> they, they basically copied the, the general idea uh, from Fables. Because Fables doesn't have that specific plot line, mind you, but um, the idea of fairy tale characters existing in a real world and having to come to terms with uh, more serious elements and societal things and cultural things that aren't in like a fairy tale mentality. Um, that's what Fable really excels at. And they also had this weird subplot that uh, one of my friends was always a big fan of, of like the big bad wolf from uh, Red Riding Hood is a main character. And so is Snow White and some other people. And I think there's like this thing between Snow White and the big bad wolf, which is like an on again, off again thing, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a weird pair. But the big bad wolf is obviously a humanoid, kind of like a, like some weird Wolverine type, you know? Yeah. Like very kind of grizzly dude and, unkempt a lot of the time but not a bad guy just kind of like a, a roguish kind of guy i guess you could say so um the wolf among us is going to be uh, his name's bigby bigby wolf right uh lives in new york city works as sort of a security role keeping other fairy tale characters hidden so i'm not sure if this is going to be like a multi-episodic thing or if this is just like a little one-off that they're doing <laughs> I mean, they have. I think it's going to be another episodic series. I guess. I guess a lot of these kind of also depend on how well, like, the first episode does, right? Because I'm sure if if it kind of falls flat on its face, they may kind of wrap it up sooner than they would have liked. I'm sure. But um, yeah. So that that's something to look forward to from Telltale. What they haven't really indicated yet, aside from like a screenshot, is kind of what the overall design will be like. Because um, for the most part, they they. Telltale games are cartoony, but if you've noticed, they're varying levels of cartooniness. Uh, because The Walking Dead obviously is stylized and cartoony, but it's still more realistic than, say, um, you know, the Sam and Max games. Or uh, didn't yeah. they also do the Strong Bad game? They did. Yeah. Yep. So they, they kind of have I mean, a large range of cartooniness to draw which from. Which Strong Bad game? The one that... The, Strong how did, cool game for cool people. Or yeah, how cool be, game for attractive people. Yeah. Attractive That's people, it, yeah. yeah. How to be popular or something like that. I can't yeah. remember what the title is. Um, which did fairly well from what I understand. Well, it's strange. They don't have any original like IP titles, do they? What's funny is I think one of their first ones was uh, a Bone adventure game. You know, the Bone comic with the little, yeah. little cutesy guy. Um and I don't remember really anybody talking about it, so maybe it didn't do that well. Mm. And then all of a sudden, after LucasArts was like, eh, about their Sam and Max license for some or franchise for some reason, they acquired that because you know some of the Telltale people are ex LucasArts folk, uh, and um, 
they ran with that and that ended up being great for them especially for people like me that like i loved sam and max hit the road but they just kind of never made anything else uh after that game from lucas arts and they were just sitting on steve purcell's characters for like so long that uh, it was a good idea, I guess, for Telltale to pick up something like that. I'm not sure how much the franchise cost for them to, to acquire, but they ended up making, I think, at least two or three multi-episodic games, right? So yeah. that worked out well for them. It kind of made them visible. And then from there, eh, they made that Jurassic Park game that was not so good. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the Jurassic Park game is the only one I can think of that was kind of more or less universally panned. Yeah. I didn't play that one. It did not look very fun. It looked like it was constant quick time events all the time. Well, so apparently I'm looking at their list right now and they also have CSI games. Oh no. Uh-oh. And Law and Order. <laughs> Let's say they have Law and Order games probably. God, those are Okay, so they they obviously fumbled around a little bit before they found uh licenses that worked for them. <laughs> I'm being mean, but like you're not wrong. I've, I've never seen. I'll be fully honest here. I've never seen a good CSI game. Just because, come I've on. I've never seen a good CSI TV show either. <laughs> enhance, enhance, enhance everything. Enhance everything. Yeah. Change, change the angle of this photo somehow magically. Okay, do it. We hacked in through the terminal. <laughs> There's so many great montage videos on YouTube of like oh all these kinds of uh, crime drama shows that have no idea how to do any kind of technology. The best, the best is Horatio Kane's infinite one-liners, definitely. Oh God! From CSI Miami. Yeah. Well, it looks like this podcast isn't going on forever. I'm God damn it! I fucked it up. I was gonna say infinite. <laughs> oh. Shit! Shit! Oh, that's I fucking I awful. Do, I can't even do. I can't I even do Rods. I can't even do Roger Daltrey going, yeah, so. Looks Damn like it. that joke was bio-shocking. <laughs> no, that's bad. <laughs> See, that was bad, but not as bad as yours. <laughs> so well, of course it's not bad. as bad as mine because you didn't fuck up like I did. Uh, you did. I didn't infinitely fuck up. Ooh. <laughs> no, that's so bad. <laughs> okay. I, I think that's a good That's a good. Yeah, well, well. Uh, before we go, we should point out the Walking Dead game, which we've talked about so many times on here, is on sale pretty much across all platforms. So if oh. for some reason you have not played it, go back, listen to our spoiler episode, whenever that was, and then download that. I, and, wonder, uh, if I wonder if they're trying to compete with the, uh, the first-person shooter Walking Dead game that just came out this week. I hope so, because that <laughs> thing's a piece of shit. <laughs> it's not hard to compete, because that game is yeah. awful. Uh, if I can find it, I'll try to post on our Facebook group. Uh, somebody did this great compilation video of, like, how awful that game is, <laughs> like, gameplay-wise. Like, the, the, the AI for the zombies is beyond terrible. It's really, like, embarrassing. And it's made by the same guys that did the Ghostbusters game. That came out just a couple of years ago. Mm. The one that actually had all the the real actors in it. So it's like they went from a, a kind of decently received game to like just a totally abysmal one. Like I, I don't know, it's embarrassing, but whatever. Oh, oh, look at this GDC awards. Guess what? One six of eleven of what in, it was nominated infinite? for. Nope. What Walking Dead? Nope. Uh, Journey. Yeah. How did Journey win awards for this GDC? It's last year. It's a game of the year, best audio, best game design, best visual arts, best downloadable game, and the innovation. I wouldn't. It's not really innovative, but okay. (laughs) Well, I mean, compared to a lot of other games, 
Oh, you're right. You're right. Just like me and my roommates are arguing, it's definitely innovative compared to something like called Battle Div Field Duty shit bull <laughs> fuck whatever. Oh, speaking of that, uh, so the other thing I wanted to mention just very briefly is that uh, some stuff was leaked for Battlefield Four this this week, uh, like a little short trailer, as long as a fucking seventeen minute gameplay trailer, which I'm sure most of that is probably not going to look the same in the final game. Um, but all I can say about that stuff is kind of looks like more of the same, very linear. But I will say, if that's their same Frostbite engine, I don't know if it's like Frostbite 3 or something by now, but it, it, things look pretty damn realistic. Like, that's one good thing yeah. I'll say. Like, their face work, like, they, they got some really detailed and, like, smooth kind of faces now, and uh, their lighting is amazing, and I just wish they were using it differently, that's all. Yeah, well. It's very boring and straightforward, but whatever. Call of um, Battlefield Duty. It's a good <laughs> game. I love that game. I don't think you love it. <laughs> oh, oh, dude, FD, FTL won award for best debut too. Ooh. Well, I think they deserve it. FTL, they do. It's that's good. I love. Oh my god, I never got to talk about FTL. Yes. Okay. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See you later. FTL is a great game where you pilot a ship and you kill shit, and I don't even get mad at it because I like it that much. Oh, that's saying something. That is really saying something, isn't it? Well, we can talk about it maybe when more of us have played it, perhaps. Wait, are we still recording? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, guys. That's our, that's our show for this week, if you couldn't oh, already okay. tell. Uh, thanks for listening once again. If you have any questions uh, about what we talked about today, maybe some Bioshock. Actually, this is great. Since we will definitely be doing a spoiler uh, alert section next week if you have anything you'd like to uh, to discuss with us um for that episode email us at name of game podcast gmail.com so that we can remember to bring that up during our spoiler alert discussion or if you have anything else you'd like to talk about you can also email us as well uh again that's name of game podcast at gmail.com uh you could tweet us unfortunately i'm probably not going to see it because i'm really bad with using the twitter but our twitter is at in the name of game.com uh, we also have a Facebook group. You could send us a message that way as well, which is just in the name of game. And, uh, of course, we have our website, which is in the name of game.com, where you can listen to this episode and all the previous ones. So, uh, leave us messages on there. Or if you don't want any of all of that, you can go to iTunes and just subscribe to us and just get the podcast, and that's it. <laughs> so there's a whole bunch of different ways How to keep you listening. do something silly like that? Well, you know, people are busy these days. you got to love us, especially me. Well, no, you yeah. don't. Sorry. <laughs> Aww. I'm sorry to someone even does. Someone somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> thanks, thanks once again, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. It's going to be an infinitely fantastic next week. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. That was that was me doing that was me doing the beginning of whatever that food song is. Excellent. Yes. Oh, good fool again. That's it. Right. Bye, guys. Later. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. Right. I didn't get mad at my own But nobody could. Except for that one part. Yeah, I was going to say, what about that one battle? Except for that one part.